0: Now, KMox at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMox. Welcome back, my friends. Our number two here on the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Greg Damon, Scott Mosby, hanging out with you today on a Saturday at your service. Kind of a gloomy day, a little chilly today day-to-day. That's why it's always good to be hanging out with us here on KMOX on a Saturday at your service. And uh, Scott, I got to tell you what, we have got some uh, fantastic uh, stuff to talk about coming up this hour as well as we're taking your phone calls, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120.
1: Yeah, we talked about all kinds of things in garages on the first hour, Greg. We had a little bit too much fun. Maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. We've actually got a couple callers here that I want to get to because they've been holding before the break. So uh, let's go ahead and how about we talk to Diana. Diana, you're up next on the Camelwex Home Improvement Show.
2: Good afternoon. How you doing? Uh, I have a garage that I bought in 1979. It's 50 feet wide and 125 feet long. And... Um, it's got 5, 10 by uh, 12 by 10 garage doors on it. Uh, I had a trucking company, but um, it had nothing in it when I bought it. It's got a metal frame. You could uh, drive a truck around in circles inside of it. Oh my goodness. But anyway, if I had my druthers, if I had the money to do it today and I was keeping the billing, I would put solar panels along that whole freaking roof and put Uh, Heat in the floors, because that's the only way to go.
1: Yes, with that much roof space, Diana, that's a very good point. Um,
2: And it's in an industrial park, so there are no trees to block the sun or nothing. Now, I did sell the building to a batting cage guy. I'm I'm emptying it out now. And he's Mm -hmm. just in love with it, because he's going to tear out all the walls and have um, his batting cages are going to be 100 feet long. Oh, my. Yeah, he's he's just he can't wait to get in there, but I've got forty years of stuff in there I'm trying to get rid of. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> Diane, I like the big doors just for opening the doors in the summertime. It's it's uh <laughs> it's a great way to <laughs> make <laughs> I outdoors. Do that. Out. So, yeah. but,
2: uh, no, I get, I've got, got eight-foot fluorescent fixtures all over in there. I can't even give them away. I'm trying to give them away, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think he's probably going to go. He's. I'm tearing out all the air. I've got a big air compressor. He, You know, i got to take that. i got a lift in there. And,
0: I need to go to um, her
2: garage. I'm taking out all the uh, airlines, copper airlines, and all the electrical wiring because he's going to redo everything.
1: Yeah. So, oh, my. And I was
2: trying to tell him, he says he wasn't going to heat it at first. And he goes, yeah, I think I'm going to heat it now. And I'm going, oh, Lordy, you better find out how much that's going to cost you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like your idea of solar panels.
2: Yeah. I, and I think the government might still help him with it. But uh, I'm, we're going to meet yes. Monday morning again down there. He's wanting to see how far I got cleaning it out. So, well,
1: Diana, my understanding with the new tax law, and I'm a little bit speaking out of school, but it becomes a normal if it's a business, it's a normal business expense. So whether it's solar or you know, walls and ceilings and such, I, I think that um you know, the new Trump tax law, whatever it is, I would imagine it would be fairly friendly on um uh solar
3: panels.
2: Right, but I think the know, mayor and Huey gives um you some kind of uh, not a tax yes. credit, rebates. I think they give yeah, rebates. They- and then yeah, they, they buy back the excess electric hour. if you, you know, generate more than you use. And I can't see him using a lot of electric.
1: Oh, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Because, yeah, I point. mean,
2: batting cage is the only thing. He moves the, the um, cage thing. Is It's nothing but a mesh net on a, a thing that goes back and forth, which I think he said is electric. And um, Let me see. Because he said, he said, where do you see this? He said, I can open the whole thing up. You know, we could play baseball inside here. Or he said, I can pull the mesh back and make uh, cages out of it
1: oh my oh yeah. my you know years ago in the 70s my father and i built a large metal building for it was a uh it was a barn but it was a horse breeding operation and this is where they trained their horses indoors and then we had tons of stalls it was a fun project to build but didn't you use wooden trusses uh, no, it was a met- Well, we did use yeah, cause wooden that's what mine
2: crosses. I just love that where it goes up and then it goes, uh, it, it's tw- uh, 12 foot at the eaves, or is it 14? It's 14 foot at the eaves and 16 foot in the center. You know, because it goes oh, up, and you have a drop. And, yes, um, yes. you know, and that's it's fantastic. I had uh, dump trucks, and um, uh, the air conditioning man was working on my truck, and they left the PTO in, and then they put one of the beds in oh, oh. the roof. <laughs> So that oh. wasn't fun. But, yeah, uh, hydraulics
1: well, and structures are not good when they don't play well together.
2: Well, we weren't out there watching him. Thank God my daughter was standing in the office, and she goes, Oh, my God, the bed's going up! And we had to run out there and hit the key to make it stop, because that guy didn't know what was going on. The yeah. air conditioning man. Yeah, have raised the roof. Yeah, he was raising He just did a little bit. He just creased it. So, you know, I, just, oh. I had some excess metal panels, and I had that re-overlaid. It wasn't that bad. Not as bad as when they had the bed up and drove out and took part of the wall where the garage door was.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, Diana, congratulations to you on the next chapter of your life. That's uh, quite a garage, 50 by 120 feet. That's that's a big boy.
2: I am going to miss it, I'll tell you. I'm really going to miss it.
1: So what are you going to do, do with yourself, Diana? i garage on my house.
2: Oh, there you I go. love a garage. As far as I'm concerned, I would have a big... Well, I am. I'm going to build another metal building on a lot that I have next to my son's house. And I think I'm just going to put a little office in there with a loft above it, and that's where I'm going to live. Oh, my. There
1: you go. A woman after my own heart. Well,
0: that, sounds, uh, that sounds great, Donna. We appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us here today on the uh, Home Improvement Show. Uh, Scott, let's go, and how about we talk to Bob. Hey, Bob, you're up next on the Helitech. Home Improvement Show on KMOX. Bob, are you there? Hey, Bob,
3: are you there? Yes, yes, yes. So I am. Uh, my question is, I removed a one-piece shower bath, and I installed a four-piece. And what I'm wondering about is uh, insulating the bathtub.
1: The materials is uh, big problem. You uh, absolutely insulate that bathtub. Uh, also, a couple of things here, Bob. Um, on the four-piece. Have you uh, reinforced there are uh, one-by-fours or one-by-lumber sliding next to the actual uh, back of the plastic or the vitral uh, material? Make sure that you're reinforcing that so that it's not just the fiber flex of the actual unit itself. So reinforce that. We n- typically nail boards alongside the studs on the walls to reinforce that. Uh, and then once you're done with that, Absolutely insulate it because you're holding the heat from the hot water. Any opportunity, you know, fibrous insulation, uh, foam around the base if you can, minimal or no expansion on the foam. Uh, Make sure that floor doesn't buckle and pop and and jump. Make sure it's in. Typically, it gets bedded in a um, uh, cementitious-type material so that it doesn't you know, flex when you step in there. But you bet, uh, insulate it with fiberglass, fiber, or foam. But the, you know, like anything else, pay me up front or pay me more operationally throughout its life. So you bet you're renegotiating comfort and uh, warmth in there if you insulate it behind those walls.
3: Um, I like to follow directions. That's the only way I seem to have any luck with uh, doing work. Um, Now, you said foam. Do I have to be concerned about uh, the manufacturer liking or disliking uh, the materials uh, as far as they get along, one against the other?
1: Uh, not necessarily. If if you do a spray foam, but just be careful. My expansion, you can lift that whole shower thing up off the floor with the wrong product. So my advice to you would be probably not a spray foam, but fibrous. I mean, keep in mind, just adding an R9 around those walls and stuffing it wherever you can on the base will improve that, you know, two or three times. So it's the first investment that brings the highest return on those dollars because you're going from zero insulation to some insulation. And, you know, so anything you do will make an improvement uh, many times over. But, yes, you can use a spray foam. It won't negate uh, the, uh, ins- the uh, warranty unless it expands and distorts uh, the actual fiber material. Then then you're in bigger
3: Okay, I, I, I hear you. I'm probably going to use uh, a fiberglass so that uh, I don't have that issue.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's easy. Um, you know, it's not fun. You have to, you know, you're going to contort yourself to get the insulation around from the back anyway, but anything you do will dramatically improve that. Even so, on a cast iron or a permacast fiber, whatever kind of tub or shower you put in, Insulation is just good form for all those reasons because, it, you know, like that heated garage floor Greg and I have been talking about, it either adds heat into the bather or it draws heat away if you don't insulate it. So, you know, something's better than nothing.
3: Okay, now if I insulate that with a uh, fiberglass, um, can I hold that up in there? For instance, if I insulate it before I put it in there so I don't have to mess with it.
1: Oh, yeah, and it'll compress. That's the sweet part of the fibrous insulation, whether you use that or any kind of fibrous insulation, is you can actually, um, you know, don't compress it into a real dense point, but, you know, as you put the walls, you know, a four-piece is a base and then three walls. So for those listeners that don't know the difference between one-piece and four-piece, what Bob's talking about is having four, you know, three walls and a base, Uh, and, and frankly, by having a three piece wall system, you know, you can, you know, get at that insulation, but yeah, just billow it out. And then as you put the wall system in there, uh, and and frankly, remember, you know, put some sort of reinforcing back there in wood form, even if you have to, you know, put it on a few times, you know, with drywall screws. Uh, but that flimsy, um, fiberglass wall comes from poor installation of not, framing-wise reinforcing it, but then just billow your fibrous insulation out and compress it as you put your walls in. All
3: right. Very good. I understand. Thank you.
1: Good, Bob. Hey, that's a good question. Thanks for bringing that forward for our listeners.
0: Thanks, Bob. Appreciate the phone call. And, folks, just like that, if you'd like to join us, 436-7900-1800, 925-1120. Scott, got to do a little business here. This is the Helotech Home Improvement Show on a Saturday at your service. On KMOX, we'll be right back. Stick around. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on
3: KMOX.
0: Welcome back, my friends. Twelve twenty-three is your time right here in the heart of Mid-America on a Saturday at your service here on KMOX. All the experts here helping you out. Greg Damon, Scott Mosby here for the Helotech Home Improvement Show on a Saturday at your service, and we are having some fun. If you'd like to join us, we would love for you to do that. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Scott, we have uh, several phone callers on hold. I say we go right to them. What do you say? Yes, sir. Let's get going. All right. Let's do that. How about we talk to Barb? Hey, Barb, Barb, you're up up next.
4: next. Hi. Glad to hear your voice, and hopefully you'll have help for me. I have two questions. Okay. First has to do with my smoke alarms. I live in a house that was built about 17 years ago, and my smoke alarms are all wired together. Okay. And I have had an instance here recently and um it wasn't chirping like it would if a battery was low it was the actual kind of the blaring of the horn we'd get mm-hmm. one and then it would be quiet for a little bit and then it would be like you'd get a series of like 3 or 4 and then it would be quiet and then it goes off for a few more And then it's quiet. We pulled it down out of the ceiling, uh, you know, disconnected it and pulled it down. I pulled the battery out and checked it and put it all back together, and it was still doing it. So my husband pulled the battery loose again and put it back up, and it's just kind of like hanging by the wire out of the ceiling And it hasn't gone off since, so I don't know. I was thinking, because when he was putting the battery back in, that it seemed like maybe one of the wires for the battery connection might have a crack or a break in it. It was kind of trying to sound off. But since the battery's been snapped back in now, it hasn't done it again this morning. It did it yesterday, but it hasn't done it this morning. But I went online and seen that these... Sometimes after about 10 years, they suggest that they get replaced. And I'm you. not sure how to, what all this is going to involve with them all being wired together. How mm-hmm. hard is that to replace them?
1: Uh, it's not a real big deal. Uh, Barb, I'm glad you brought this uh, question up because it's really important. Um, after about five to seven years, the sensory element in those smoke detectors um, wear out and they're less effective. And for something that your life depends on, I advise that after 10 years you just replace all those smoke detectors because what happens is with the interconnectedness, once you have one fail or tell you something's wrong and it doesn't behave, uh, the interconnected sometimes can make them all
4: go off. And oh, yeah, they were just- all going off yesterday. And, you know, and I mean, you know, it sends the dog into a frenzy. It sends the cat into a frenzy. It sends me into a frenzy because the first thing I'm going to do is look and see where's their smoke, you know. And I'm looking and it's like, no, you know, we're fine. Everything's good. It's this thing misfiring. But you don't want it to keep happening because, like you said, you depend upon these, especially in the middle of the night, you yeah. know to yeah. save your life, and you know I just didn't know. I mean, I know I looked online and seen that, but with them all being wired, I can't just probably go out and buy a new little ba- uh, centerpiece to snap into that base. I'm going to have Sometimes to take you the whole. I'll, but if I have Sometimes to take the whole base out, is it really difficult to? No, no, it's it's
1: really. Uh, just repairs and maintenance. Uh, If you're uncomfortable with changing a light fixture, then I would advise you to call an electrician because, you know, this is a safety life-saving element. Uh, But they're like changing light fixtures. They're not a big deal to get up and change the base as well. Now, uh, likewise, if you are able to take one of those off, and take it to, say, a wholesale uh, supply house, and you're going to need to go to a professional supply house like Metro Electric or Butler Supply, something like that, um, if they can match that brand, sometimes you just change, you leave the base installed and the wiring, and you just pull out and put a new replacement cartridge in there. Okay. Uh, that, you only have about a 10% chance of that happening, but sometimes the luck
4: goes with you, but change them all. Right. Well, that's what I figured. You know, if I've got one that's acting up, they probably should all be replaced at that point in time. But I just wasn't sure. I've never had them all wired together. I've always had just the separate ones with, you know, the batteries in them. But these, you know, the builders make these, and, and, you know, and they're all wired together. So if one fires, they'll all fire, and that's a good thing. But, you know, I just Mm -hmm. didn't know the particulars as far as how much... Uh, it would be to take out the whole base if I have to do that. I mean, the wiring part, I don't have a problem with. I can, I, I know black to black, white to white, you know, I can wire a light fixture and what have you. So that's not a big deal, the wiring part. It was just like, how complicated is that up in the ceiling? It's just a matter of pulling that base back down and getting to the wires and rewiring it, so. Um, yeah. But I wanted to check with you because i 've never done that before and never taken one apart so now Barb, you have a yeah. uh, you have another question too I do have another question, and this isn 't related to smoke alarms this isn 't related to my cold water when I flush, especially I notice it when I flush the toilet in either of my bathrooms, and you know that 's using just cold water to do that um, I have like a vibration that you can hear in the opposite end of the house (laughs) to where Uh it's almost like you hear the water pulsing. You know, you kind of hear it. "Mm, mm, mm." And I thought it was a cold water pipe down in the basement that may have been loose and kind of rattling. So we went and looked at all the cold water pipes in the ceiling in the basement, and there were two hangers that... Um, had come loose, I guess just vibrated or whatever. We fixed those, put the pipes, you know, snug back where they were at, made sure. That, but I'm, it seems to be a little quieter, but I'm still hearing it. And I wanted to know if it had any connection to having a new refrigerator put in that has an ice maker with it because um, it started about the same time that I had my new refrigerator installed and they reconnected the ice maker up. I thought, I've checked what I thought I could check would be the the cold water pipes rattling. And I'm not finding any of that now downstairs in the basement. So I got to thinking and said, you know, could there be air or something in the line for the ice maker that is causing that the pulse. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but I didn't know what else it could be. No, you're asking uh,
1: good questions, and there's two answers to this, because uh, the air in the line is a good thing. If you, if is your house 17 years old? The yes, same that was built month? in 2000. Yeah, that means that you have um, uh, arrestors or air chambers in your piping for that house. So number one, your toilet guts are probably 17 years old as well, and they're ready to be changed. So what's causing this, in my opinion, is when the springs get a little bit tired after 17 years in those el- the guts inside your toilet, you know, the actual floats or however that works, there's a pulsing that happens you know, just like putting your brakes on in your car, Uh, you compress it, and then the float kind of moves up and down. Well, when you have an air charge in those air chambers in your piping of the supply lines in your house, they generally act like a shock absorber, and you may not hear it. Once they get waterlogged, then and once then again, your toilet spring kind of wears out on the inside of your toilet, it doesn't... Um, fully shut off the water. So it tends to just kind of waver back and forth. This will happen on a clothes washer, uh, dishwasher and your toilets um, because the clothes and dishwasher are electric water valves, solenoids. So they're magnets that aren't quite doing it anymore. And in the toilet, it's that on off. You know, if you've got that float in there, pressing it down makes the water flow Lifting it up shuts it off. Well, it no longer lifts up and securely shuts off the flow of that water. It kind of wavers a little bit. And then through that little orifice that that little bit of water is, you know, it's like a foghorn. And that's the movement of that float And then usually over the years with an air charge in those what we call noise arresters or crudely hammerheads as we call them is there's an air chamber that usually uh, absorbs that. So I would drain your pipes um, totally, get all that uh, water out of them, shut off the water at the curb, drain it down in the basement. It takes about two hours to get all the water out. Make sure you mess with your water. You have to shut that down as well. And then recharge, you know, put the water back in the pipes. And what happens is, The air chambers in the piping are above the flow line, so they typically, this is how you get the air back in those uh, noise arrestor chambers, number one. But even if you did all that, I still think you're going to change the guts on one or both of your toilets as
0: well. Great questions, Barb. Thanks so much for the uh, phone call. We got a couple more, but unfortunately, we got to do a little break here. We'll be right back. You are listening to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show on KMOX Saturday at your service. We'll be back after these. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. Welcome back, everyone. 12.38 is your time. Scott, we have uh, more phone callers on the phone. Let's go right back and talk to Doug. Doug, you're up next on the Helotech Foundation Home Improvement Show.
3: Uh, hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I just had a 24-foot uh, by 60-foot uh, with a 16-foot high interior uh, motorhome garage built. And uh, in the concrete slab, I had PEX tubing put in. There's about 500 feet of half inch uh, in there. Nice. And we do not have water to the building. We have electricity. And uh, I have, uh, I was thinking of heating it with a small electric water heater uh, with like a hot water pump to pump it through. My question is, do I need an expansion tank uh, on that, how to plumb that in?
1: Uh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. On any uh, on any sealed hot water system, and that's why St. Louis County and the building code across the country has added these expansion tanks with the hot water heaters, even in the house. So if you live in St. Louis County, anywhere, you're going to have an expansion ch- tank. And the same logic holds true, Doug, that if you're going to have a closed-loop pressurized system, even though it's a very low-pressure system, you know, if that hot water heater malfunctions and overheats rather than have an explosion occur, you know, with injury or potential loss of life, you know, just put an expansion tank on there and a temperature and pressure valve. But you bet you will need very little water to add to that system over the years. You know, some of that does, you know, change into oxygen and hydrogen, you know, under pressure and heat over the years. But you will find that, you know, probably in two years you're going to add two quarts of water uh, to that whole system. But I love your design. You're describing exactly the way to do it. Um, and even uh, the thermostat on that electric water heater is generally enough to suffice. You know, you have to turn it down because it's it. You know, you don't you don't run it at 130 degrees or you don't sure. run it at scalding mm-hmm. temp. But you're you're right
3: on the right path. I'm I'm tracking right with you, Doug. Okay. Um, what about getting a uh, horizontal uh, water heater, um, so I could put the pump at the low end of that, so it would never suck air uh, if any air gets in the system. Um, well, you can do. You can mount the water
1: heater horizontally. It, then you're into the specs of the water heater. You have to be careful. There aren't a whole lot of uh, horizontal electric water heaters. You know they are available, but there's a. There, you might find two or three models. You know versus twenty to fifty of of uh, vertical. But uh, don't worry about the water or the air introduction from that because it still needs to be a fairly sealed system. It's all in the in- installation. Of your T or temperature and pressure valve, and your um, you know your expansion tank goes on at the top end above that water flow wherever you know your
0: horizontal or vertical tank is.
1: So you can hang it on the wall. There's no no downside at all where that water heater goes.
0: Thanks, Doug. Appreciate the question. Let's move on. How about we talk to Carl? Carl, you're up next on the Home Improvement Show.
1: Hey, how you doing, Scott? Fine, Carl. How you doing this fine Saturday?
3: I got a question for you. I built yep. a shop with a 30 by 40 foot shop with two storage containers across from each other, 40 foot containers. Okay. I mm-hmm. put a carport roof over it, 30 by 40 carport roof, and so I'm in the process of it sweats a little bit. So we're gonna foam insulation. Would that be the best way to go on that? You think?
1: Um. Yes. uh, Be careful your fire code. So when you have exposed foam in a garage where you may have some flame occurrences or some sort of potential for fire, uh, foam is your best insulator, but somehow you've got to isolate it or fire separated, because if that stuff uh, catches on fire, the fumes are very toxic. So, you know, 20 years ago, the firefighters were worried about the flames. Now they're really worried about the fumes because of all these plastic and man-made chemicals that we're now insulating with. So, uh, you want to get a firefighter's attention, you set some man-made insulation on fire, man, they're they're paying attention and they're going in with full air gear. Uh, So, be aware, you are um, doing the best insulation but you may need to apply a spray fire coating uh, to that foam as well at in a residential setting that would be fire coat drywall or some sort right, of I got gypsum board
3: now it's 14 foot ceilings or 14 foot trusses and the ceiling goes up another five you know five foot on. so it's a pretty high pitch ceiling you follow me
1: Oh, yeah, I'm just giving you what the, you know, by the chapter verse need. If you're going to use spray foam, I love what you're doing, Um, and I'm all over it. There's just another get some sort of a paint coating or fire coating to spray on top of that foam after you install it. I think think your foam is just rock solid. I mean, if you can afford it, that's the way to go because it blocks and stops every air, you know, which in a flame setting for fire – When you don't have much moving air, your flame spread doesn't happen much either. So you're actually doing a good thing for the fire. Just make sure that if it does catch on fire, you're putting a paint coating or some fire sprayed coating over the top of that foam. Because residentially, we have to do that as well. We just do it with drywall, gypsum, or, you know, all that to separate it.
0: All right, Carl, thanks so much for the question. Let's uh, sneak one more in. Let's talk to Mark. Mark, guess what? You're up next here on the Home Improvement Show.
3: Hey, afternoon, boys. How are y'all?
0: Fantastic.
3: And uh, uh, for Barb's problem with her water pulse, it also might be her shutoff if she's got a multi-turn um, angle stop or straight stop, that, that washer may be kind of... You know, the age of her house might be pulsing as well. So
1: she may have uh, problem Tell me more, Mark. Come, tell me more on that. Keep going. <laughs> <out. laughs>
3: so, I've seen it 100 times, so I'm a plumber in the St. Louis area. My
1: I'm gathering was, that.
3: You're above my badge level. I'm going to work you for all I can get. <laughs> there you go. So my question was on the traditional water softener with the salt crank and you have to monitor it add the salt. I've seen a new product, haven't installed it, don't know if you have, but it's an inline water softener it just is mm. threaded on both ends and it's contained and it. it's good for up to 10 years i don't know if you had heard of this or saw this and uh just wondering your opinion on it
1: is that elect that electronic thing that uh, it, it changes the charge on the water to soften it
3: yeah i believe so i haven't done much reading on it yet but it is just like a two-foot tube yep, yep. that that connects right right above your your meter or your water main
1: absolutely um mark i like those and i don't like those the net effect is i typically don't advise installing them because they do everything they say so they will change the electrolyte charge on the water so it will soften the water uh if it's at a point of use where that water gets used right away you will have soft water at that appliance the problem is once the water flows through it, if you, don't, if you go to sleep overnight, that water charge goes back to a hard charge. It is no longer electronically softened. So that, advi- that device actually works, but the net effect to piping is that you still have the mineral deposits on the pipe because that electronic charge or valence, you know, that, that negative charge, goes back to whatever it was before it passed that electronic uh, recharger device. So it does work, but it doesn't deliver the same effect to the piping system. Your cheeseburgers are still going to clog your arteries or the lime mineral buildup in your plumbing system will still occur unless you use it and it only softens right at the point of use. You can't really store it. Once that water in the pipes has been um, not used for three or four hours, you're back to hard water. Call
0: appreciate that. the appreciate the phone call, Mark. Thanks so much. Scott, we got to do a little business and then we're going to come back and uh, talk to Gerald. This is the Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show on a Saturday at your service here on KMOX. <laughs> Welcome back to the Helotech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Welcome back, everyone. 12.54 is your time, and we are on the final lap here on the Helotech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show on a Saturday at your service. Scott Mosby, Greg Damon hanging out with you, and uh, we got a couple more calls here. Let's go straight to the phones and talk to Gerald. Hey, Gerald, guess what? You're up next on the Home Improvement Show.
3: Yes, I won't keep you very long, but I was wondering what your opinion is on the tankless water heater system that they're out with.
1: Oh, Gerald, I I love the tankless water systems. Uh, the issue with them is when you just wash your hands. So for small points of use, uh, if you only need a quart of hot water uh, and you have no tank, then this big you know truck engine water heater fires up and you still have cold water in the line. So what's happening now, what I like a little better than just a straight tankless system, is what they now call a hybrid. It's a tankless water system, so it has very, very high capacity, but it has a small 5-gallon tank or a 10-gallon tank, so that if you're just going to wash you know, a few dishes or wash your hands for small quantities, the unit only fires on when that uh, runs out. So I like the hybrid better. The tankless water heater I just love because you're not heating a lot of water when you're not there. It's virtually off when you're gone or asleep. So I'm in favor. Now, a tankless water heater is a highly engineered machine. It needs to be right-sized so having a huge engine on a small car doesn't work or a small engine on a huge truck. So these uh, tankless water heaters must be Sized properly and in larger homes we often will put two or three of these uh, tankless water heaters in tandem or at various parts of the house uh, in order to get the proper uh, volume of hot water uh, because now you know when it's uh, really cold water outside a tankless any kind of water heater raises the temperature X degrees well when it's really cold in the winter It takes a long time to raise that. In a tankless, it may take more water heater capacity to do the job than a standard water heater. So get them right-sized, and it matters, and they work great.
3: Uh, I I will say that I purchased one and installed it, and I was going to give a review on it after you gave me your opinion on it, but uh, I got the cheapest electric bill I'd had in a long time once I uh, made that change right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, basically,
1: it doesn't run at all. So which means you're consuming no energy, you know, saving energy as opposed to, you know, heat and water, especially for people that travel, you know, that are gone for some months or do a lot of travel. Or when the kids are grown and gone, you'd think that, you know, that's when you don't use. Well, you know, if you're never home, why not use a tankless and just don't heat any water? So I I love them.
0: All right. Thanks so much, Gerald. Thanks for the phone call. Hey, Scott, one thing I wanted to ask you before we before we go. So if you uh, take a trip or for maybe some of the snowbirds or something like that, that, you know, if you're gone in the wintertime and it's extremely cold out and we're talking uh, 10 degrees or below and everybody's worried about their pipes freezing, things like that, is it is it feasible? Is it smart to uh, just go ahead and shut your water off uh, at the uh, shutoff valve?
1: Um, Yeah, that's common, but you still have to maintain the heat. Uh, The issue is when you turn your water back on when you come back, uh, you also have no moving water in that system. So, um, you know, shutting the water down is a good practice because it limits the damage. Just be aware that that freeze and the pipe break may still have occurred, and you will notice it when you turn the water back on. So I'm in favor of turning the water off. But setback for temperature for the snowbirds, I advise no more than 58 degrees to 55 degrees. And if you're going to do that, open all the cabinet doors underneath the kitchen sink. Any for any pipes that are on an exterior wall, so that that internal house heat makes sure gets to that exterior wall. Now, what about? Uh, So yeah, I I like turning the water off, but keep the heat back on.
0: So like my pipes are all in the basement uh, that are exposed in in Casa Damon. Uh, you know, is that, uh, should, should you, we try to drain the water as well? You know, open the faucets, flush the toilets, all that stuff. Once the water's shut off.
1: Yeah, I, I dissuade that don't, don't, if you that, that suggests you're going to shut down the heat. If you do that, then the piping, the whole house has to be built to be drainable, which means the plumber has to slope every pipe back toward a drainable piece, so uh, most homeowners don't have the ability to pressurize their water system to blow the water out of the low, and you've got pea traps in sure. the drain, so uh, I don't advise uh, shutting the heat off unless you really professionally know what you're doing, uh, because the plumber just doesn't build the house to fully drain a water supply system in a home.
0: Well, see, Scott, that's why you're the expert, because you give the best advice possible. So we've got, uh, got about 25 seconds here. Why don't we go ahead and give the particulars?
1: All right. Well, uh, I appreciate your joining. Uh, stay tuned here. We've got a 2018 seminars, uh, February 24th. We've got a Windows and Doors seminar coming up. Uh, you can check it out at uh, scottmosby.com. Uh, but otherwise, we'll see you next week. This is Greg Damon and Scott Mosby. I very much appreciate the Home Improvement Show. And uh, stay tuned for Rick Edelman next.